Welcome to the Green Heart Living Podcast with your host, Elizabeth Hill. I'm very happy to be speaking with my friend Christopher Page, who is is a co-author of Redefining Masculinity. And I'd love to hear from you what drew you to this project. Well, I definitely believe in happy accidents. And I had a happy accident that drew me to this. So essentially, I had been friends with Davidson, who was the uh, co-constructor. Co-conspirator, no. Co-conspirator, yeah, (laughs) for this project. So essentially, he had written something on Facebook about an incident that had happened in his life where there was an issue that dealt with relations between people in the African-American community and people in the Asian community. But specifically, there was something that he said that thought he felt was a compliment to a colleague who happened to be African-American. And it's kind of a specific touchstone. And so he was looking to figure out, hey, why did that happen? Like, why did what I meant to say as a compliment go completely sideways? And even though from what he wrote, his friend did explain it to him, I just felt as someone who's multiracial myself and who has gone through similar situations, that maybe it might help to have someone else that he knew be a resource. So from that conversation, we ended up doing an episode on his podcast. And then after that, just having kind of rekindled our friendship and our connection, he said to me, hey, uh, we're doing this book project and I'd love you to be part of it. And at first I was like, what? And then I said, yes. So, I mean, it got me through quarantine, definitely got me through COVID. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's how we ended up fusing together. Mm. That's what drew me. And I guess also the idea that I just, it, it occurred to me, I'm like, we're two intelligent people that have known each other for a while that have never really had this discussion. And mm. the communication between men is lacking, communication between different cultures is can be difficult and can be treacherous territory for people in secular relationships as well as personal relationships. So, you know, sometimes you you get to a point, and I think you can relate to this, you get to a point where the light comes on and you Mm -hmm. start to think, no, this is why I'm here. And it just all came to be like, this is why I'm here. I joke with uh, some of the guys on on my podcast that, I'm kind of like the Nexus being, which is a thing in in Marvel comics that is kind of the same in every reality. And Mm -hmm. I started to realize there's a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who are in different spaces that I happen to be the Nexus for. And I was like, well, there's there's reason for that. So Mm -hmm. realizing my potential, realizing and, and accepting my proclivities and taking hold of my destiny. So all those three things jumped into my heart. And that's really what made me say yes. Hmm. And I'm so glad you did. Oh, my goodness. And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And I find myself just wanting to jump ahead and speak about the other all the wonderful, amazing projects that we have in the works together that I'm so honored to be able to get to have a sneak peek on the books that you're writing. But 
one book at a time. I believe you have a part that you'd like to share from Redefining Masculinity. There's a couple of pieces that I wanted to, to read just because so far these are things that people have asked me questions about. So I thought it kind of makes a little sense to highlight that. So first, this is really from um, page 55. It's in the, in the beginning. It's really the first part. So it's the first couple of paragraphs. So, you know, it said, I really had no male role models in my upbringing. To be clear, my father and mother were married till death do you part. I did not have any men to whom I looked as exemplars. I also did not trust many men or males in general due to a host of life-changing incidents that involved men external to my immediate family. Until this very moment, I have not considered, never considered this fact, but I can start to see in this moment how impactful the lack of identifiable male role models has been. At the same time, the men in my family and life were men that respected people for the most part. There was not a designation of a way that a specific gender was supposed to behave. When I had been asked about male role models in the past, I thought that I didn't have male role models as a man in the sense that there, were no, there was no one that I admired more than the next, save my father. My admiration for my father required adulthood and recognizing his adult self in my adult self. The men in my world went to work, came home, were respectful of their families, prayed, studied the Bible, and did their best to preach God's word to others. I was never taught to respect people or not based on their gender, but to respect everyone and life itself because each person is a gift from God. And so for me, um, that actually one, one more piece I'm going to say really quick. I grew up in a multiracial, evangelical, politically neutral environment with a in a matriarchal family structure. Even though most of, the, most of my family on both sides were nuclear in structure, women in my family were very dominant. Even though I was aware of my maleness, I learned from strong women about being strong, learning the stories of strong grandmothers and their daughters. So I wanted to highlight that because I've actually had a lot of questions about that and people saying people like in my life and also people that are newer to my life to say you didn't have male role models. And it's the point of why we need to have these conversations because people for generations have just assumed that a plus b equals c meaning there's a man there's a family that you're learning from equals i will become a man and i was taught all of these things and that's not a provable equation you know it's like you yeah. just because you have if you want to make tiramisu and you want to put rum in it Mm -hmm. The rum can be in a bottle on the ledge. It doesn't mean it's in the bowl. It doesn't mean you actually put it in the bowl. Mm. So you put everything in, in, in reach and everything's visible, but it doesn't mean that they actually combined. Mm. And I feel that that's a, that's a, it is a mistake that's really held to socioeconomic barriers. If you have the money and the station and the mobility to have enough time to stop and think when your child is born, hey, this kid's a dude. Let's try to be specific with him about not repeating the mistakes in the past of dudes, but not blaming him for that. Just saying, hey, this is what you should do as a good dude. And we're saying this specifically because you're a dude. And historically dudes haven't been told these things. 
Same thing with a, with a young lady. You're a, you're a young lady. These are some things that you might want to know as a young lady to become a better young lady. And yes, some things are, it's not really, people shouldn't be held back by gender roles, but there's chemistry involved in this. Mm. We have chemistry, we have hormones, we have tendencies that come from our visceral needs and the, the execution and the, the demonstration of those needs. Mm. So we have to figure in society and what we do naturally. And I think it's interesting how we really can't make assumptions about how we were raised or what, you know, we were raised in similar religious environments, but I was in a patriarchal structure, right? And so even within those dynamics, they could be very different. And so it's interesting to have the conversations with people about okay, well, what was the dynamic in your particular microcosm in your family? And even with one child could have a different experience. Just like you say, with the the rum, the rum could be right there, but it doesn't mean it affected one person. And it might not have affected, it might have affected one person a different way. So, but getting to talk about these things of what are perceived, you know, what, what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman or uh, or, or that the quality of masculinity versus femininity, right? Yeah. The, the energy of it, because we often just assume our way of thinking is the way, and we're afraid to talk about it sometimes, right? Or don't have the language for it with each yeah. other. And I think that the one of the major issues is that it's one thing to not have the language; it's another thing to not understand that you need the language because. I mean, let's take, for example, like if you have, if you were to reach out now in 2021 to the communities that are still kind of untouched by society and advances that, you know, they live on their own, they're in the forest or what have you. If you don't know their language, you may be able to get through by just gestures like, you know, I'm hungry, or I'm sad, or, you know, I'm tired. But that's assuming that they don't want to have a conversation. That's assuming that their connection with people or part of their communication doesn't revolve around equality, equity, that I don't need to be just told things, I need to express things too. And as I started digging into this, you know, your, your questions were always great and thought provoking. And it really started me thinking about men in general. And I mean, really both, and you think about both gender roles, like, I mean, the last few generations, so many things have happened. And I mean, I think that's going to be kind of endemic to a lot of things, but here's what I'm saying. The U.S. is a younger country. So let's say France, England, Spain, the changes in their society are not going to be as exponentially of note as they are gonna be right now for the US because we're younger. So all of these waves of people and peopleisms and the idea of communities figuring out who they are and their impact on the country and they're creating their, their different communities. Then you have to get down to, okay, men and women. There's so much going on and it doesn't have to be super complicated, but the general person that is absorbed in trying to survive may not necessarily take the time to mm. figure out, oh, well, you know what? Maybe the reason that I've been 
having trouble communicating with people is because I'm communicating in a way that only lets my sound come out. And so it just became more apparent to me that there needs to be guys that can step up and say, listen, we can disagree, but viewpoints are important. I can disagree with them all day, but if I know where they're coming from and I know where they're going, then I can understand it. I will never jump out of an airplane unless it is like the last thing that I need to do to survive. And even then I'll probably just be like, I'll just go down with the plane. That's a little easier. <laughs> but with you. At least I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know about jumping out into any clouds. Good, like maybe some maker's mark. If I have some maker's mark with me, maybe I'll just, all right, here's one for the team. But so, you know, I'm never going to do that. But there are people that live for that. Mm-hmm. And I have friends that like doing things like that. And so you understand in that discourse, okay, there's things that you do that I would never do. Mm-hmm. There's decisions that you make that I would never, ever, ever make, no matter how easy it could be to make that decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I would jump out of an airplane if it was like 10 feet off the ground. Maybe, maybe 10 feet. <laughs> we might go. Mm-hmm. Double digits, maybe eight feet. Double digits, no. But point being, it's very similar with life. Like, we have these concepts and men to make things easy. I feel like the general mass of men is taught just keep things easy. Say hello, say goodbye, make a joke about the weather, make a joke about sports. You don't know how many times I've been somewhere and run into, you know, a situation where there's like, there's another man that I have to meet um, business wise or what have you. And, Within three to four sentences, it devolves to, wow, it's been really rainy out. Or how about the Giants? Then, of course, I always destroy it by saying, I mean, I like sports. I don't really watch them. You know, I'm not really, I'm not the guy that watches and finds these statistics. I don't know how many yards anybody ran, but I like watching the games. I just knocked the rump off the ledge. Like, now you don't have any ingredients for this conversation. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. oh. But that's interesting, the thought of, and I don't think I've thought of it, it that way before, that people might be trying to keep it easy. What's a safe conversation to have versus how do I really express myself? And I think it could be common for any gender, but I think it is more common with men of perhaps being shut down when they're expressing an emotion or their opinion on something. And it it must feel like you need to walk on eggshells in a lot of situations. I mean, like I'll give a perfect example, you know, that I teach dance. So I give this example because it's such a worldwide concept of men not being able to express themselves. Here's what I mean. Often when couples come in, what I hear from the guy is many times, well, you know, I don't, really, I'm not, I've got two left feet, but you know, she took dance in school. And then you get this proud, oh, when I was in third grade, I took jazz and tap and contemporary and lyrical. And that, that doesn't mean you're a dancer. However, the guy has been presented this idea that she's learned this mystical art, kind of like this celestial being in dance, and he's just a mere mortal. So, I always tell people, if you look at basically any culture, save a few. Most cultures, guys don't dance by themselves. And they're often taught by women, by moms or aunts, because it's like, hey, and it's always kind of like, hey, so when you go dance with the girl, this is what it's going to be like. 
This is the steps you have to know. Now, a woman could go on the dance floor and no one really thinks it's crazy if she dances by herself. She looks like she's free. Like, hey, she's having a great time. She can grab her friend. You know, Jane and Jill can go out on the floor and they can dance together. No one questions it. She could get a bigger group. She could go dance with a guy. She could, if a guy doesn't anything besides go out and dance with one girl, mm. there's a question. A guy dance with a guy. A guy dancing by himself. And except for, you know, there are cultures where, where men dance, but even then, it's basically a community. Like everyone's doing the same step. It's not one person being individual. Mm. And if that person's individual, it's either because they already know, they've already been given signs that they have approval from the pack. They're the alpha male, so I can go out and do this, and, but I, you know, no one's worried about me being masculine or I can go out and shake my shoulders, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. um, because I'm okay. But you know, not the little fledgling kid that just joined the group. So I mentioned that to say that in my classes, men often have more difficulty with using their hips and doing Latin motion. It's even visually because mm -hmm. those require curves. That's fascinating. I never would have thought of this. I never would have thought of this. Our lives come down in many ways to numbers, lines, and curves, and how that makes someone feel. Like, I mean, if you look at men's clothing, like you very rarely see like curves mm -hmm. or circles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except if you're a big dude and they decide to put like polka dots on your shirt, because they think that if you're a big dude, you should just wear polka dots or like a whole. <laughs> Here are your so, polka dots. There you go. Yeah. And even there, it's more of a covering of what they think should be hidden mm. and sort of big and bold to like take attention away from the body. But the idea being that in general, unless you have broken through that door as the alpha male or willing to be the rebel and willing to be on the outside of the group on the fringes, in general, men are taught to sit down, keep your head down, do what you have to do mm. and go home. And that really erases all the adjectives from your conversation. Yeah, keep it simple and sweet, right? Just yeah. the basics. So I am so grateful that you wrote a chapter for our book. I am so excited to have you be writing the different books that you're working on now. We're publishing yeah. a book that you wrote, was it 20 years ago? <laughs> so we, uh, I definitely am gonna have you on um, again and we can talk more in yeah. depth about the, our other projects that you have in the works. And if people want to find out more about you, order Redefining Masculinity from you, maybe take one of your Zumba or dance classes, how do they find you? The best way to do it is you can find me on Instagram. I'm at just some guy talking. Very simple. Wonderful. You know, keep it like a dude. I don't have anything pretty <laughs> going on. There's no, there's no asterisks or anything. Just, just some guy talking. Oh. And I'd love to hear from people. Thank you, Christopher. It was great to talk with you today. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. To find out more about Green Heart Living, visit us on our website at www.greenheartliving.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash greenheartliving. This is a production of the LPL Podcast Network.